Welcome. I'm Sarah Pollack. And I'm Quinn Faison. And together, we coach parents of preteens, teens, and young adults at Plan P. We have been there and done that. And when the going got tough, the P was for many things and always for practice, patience, and pause. The work that we do now as coaches has the full support and approval of both of our amazing children and teachers, Ellie and Harrison. So if you're a parent, you've come to the right place. We're going to give you tools to practice clear communication with your children, which will improve your relationships. We are so honored and excited to have you join us on this incredible journey where learning is in the pause and perfection is found in the practicing. Let's get moving. Hello. Welcome back to the Plan P podcast. We're still here. We're still here for parents everywhere who are hoping for answers. And as coaches, we know that you actually have the answers for your unique individual family. And we're here hoping that you find some guidance and practices to help you through this portion of the journey. So in case you don't have all of your celebratory months figured out. I I think we just missed National Donut Day, maybe. (laughs) I think National Donut Day is every Saturday, though, so. Right. So the the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. A government agency. Has dubbed September National Recovery Month as a way of bringing awareness of mental health and addiction recovery to the national level which is actually a really good thing. Like so many months, I'm like, shouldn't every month be that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, if we still need a month where we really focus on it, I say bring it on. Yeah. Because right now, mental health and substance abuse, both together and apart, deserve our attention and awareness. And certainly we have our own experiences as a family and as individuals with both of those things, mental health and substance abuse. Yeah. You know, in truth and honesty, mental health is a thing that everybody has some familiarity with. Right. No, mental health is getting a lot of attention these days and substance abuse is getting a lot of attention these days. And often they are co-occurring yeah. diseases. So, and I know in Alcoholics Anonymous, they talk about addiction being a, but a symptom. Right. And it's usually a symptom of an underlying mental health issue. Right. Our hope, you and I, mm-hmm. is that we address both together. Right. Well, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think that drugs and alcohol are a coping mechanism. Hmm. And so it allows people to avoid looking at whatever the underlying cause is. And in a culture where we, as we addressed in a previous podcast, we don't talk about feelings at all. If you don't talk about feelings, then you're not addressing mental health. Right. I think mental health is, is a combination of things. And and some of it is talking about feel, I mean, a a large part of it is talking about feelings because we're what often in this time age place, you know, we try to cope with these things on our own. Right. And talking about them is actually really helpful in terms of restoring your mental health, having balance. Right. Community is important in that. Well, and mental health is a very broad umbrella. Absolutely. Because you have things like depression, which you and I talk about all the time. Depression 
is a big umbrella on its own as well. Yes. Where your depression lies and whether it's every day, how deep it is, all those things. And there are some ways to talk about that, which right. help. There's some talk, things that talk therapy can manage through and sometimes you need medication. And then there are other mental health issues like schizophrenia, which it's good to continue conversations because you will, if you sit down and talk to your child and you are paying attention to what's going on, you will see the signs. Mm. You will be aware that something is different. I mean, mental health is health. Right. In the brain. Yes. Well, and, and I think as a culture in this time and place, we're also starting to embrace a more holistic view, right? Absolutely. The understanding that our physical illnesses affect our mental emotional health and our mental emotional health affects our physical well-being right that these are not actually completely separate universes but but right. they're interdependent right and getting back to this month of recovery mm -hmm. how one recovers and what one is recovering from, from. what services they need how much they self-medicate right you know, I wanted to make sure that Harrison didn't self-medicate. So I medicated, you know, we went with the psychiatrist's suggestion for medication, which he has said repeatedly as an adult was, not, was helpful. not helpful because he was having feelings. Right. You know, that's one of the tricky things about adolescents in particular is their frontal cortex is the part of the brain that makes us sort of aware of the larger world and existential issues and, you know, all these things. And they're having hormones surging at the same time. There are a lot of feelings. It's very confusing. So like literally their mental health is changing. It's just adolescence. And so it's very hard to sort of yes. pick out. Yes. And then there are things like schizophrenia that, that tend to show their face in this period of time. And, the, it, you know, the brain develops and changes and suddenly the brain chemistry right. goes wonky. Right. And to that, what I heard you saying just now is like, it's really hard sometimes to differentiate normal teenage behavior, whether that's schizophrenia or drug and alcohol consumption. Right as normal teenage behavior, or is it schizophrenia and addiction? And addiction, right. And as parents, we're so single for, focused on assessing the problems. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're so worried about what it could become that we exaggerate it in our minds even. Oh, we want to prevent the worst from happening. Right, so smoking one joint becomes, oh my God, they're, right. you know, they're doing drugs rather than they tried pot. We tend to take small instances and exaggerate them in our minds because we are afraid of what the, what the future is becoming. Yeah. Smoking one joint. Maybe they smoked one joint, although the odds are slim. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many kids smoke one joint and never smoke again. Yeah, but they're out there. I was not that astute as a teenager. Yeah. It took me until college to say, oh my God, I hate that. I hate <laughs> the way that makes me feel. It makes me paranoid. Why would I do that? I don't know. I've been doing it for years. I think I'll stop now. Right. And I just decided, I think I'll stop now. And we both know many people who used drugs and alcohol as teenagers or college students and perhaps abused them 
but did not become a long-term abusers. Yeah. You know, if I had to line up the people I went to high school with and pick out the ones that would have become addicts, I would have picked totally wrong. And, and I, I mean, in terms of the, the people I know now who have families and, you know, nice lives and seem to totally be managing everything. And then the ones that I have met in some recovery forum and, you know, tell me that they too are an addict and, you know, they're not necessarily the person I would have picked out. Yeah. So you never, you never know. I know lots of people who are in recovery from drugs and alcohol Mm -hmm. addictions Mm -hmm. and, oh, I'm married to one of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they are some of the smartest people I know. No offense to my friends who aren't in recovery and how smart they are. Because <laughs> I got a lot of smart friends. I got to say this. It's sort of stunning to me some days still. But the addicts in recovery, because addicts are a really lovely group of people. Some of my very smartest friends have spent literally some of them years on the streets, living on the street mm-hmm. as heroin addicts, as meth addicts living on the streets for years. And so it's one of those things that, one of the things that this um, National Recovery Month celebrates is people in recovery. Mm. And I think it it's important for us all, as particularly those of us who do not suffer from the disease of addiction, right, to recognize we all hold good. The thing about recovery and mental health and substance misuse abuse addiction we're still learning the medical profession is still learning so much about those diseases yeah aa was founded in the 30s mid 30s mm-hmm. and the medical profession dubbed alcoholism a disease in the 50s right you know so as things changed bureaucracies are always a little behind. The other thing in terms of substance abuse and mental health is that one of the things that we're talking about a lot more now is how they coexist, as I was saying earlier. And I think that one of the things that you and I learned, or okay, I'll just say it, me, I learned at a different level was until Harrison wasn't smoking weed all the time, it was really hard for us to see what his other struggles were. Yeah. It's really hard to recover from other things if you're using a substance, if you're using a coping mechanism. To cover it up. To cover it up. I mean, it becomes hard to see what the issue is. And it's also, you know, if somebody is using, you can't really have a conversation with them. Right. And even if you have the conversation with them, chances are they won't really remember it. Or they won't agree with what they thought was brilliant. Because mm, their it, minds are being because, altered. Yeah, because they're in an altered state. So it's sort of pointless to talk to them when they're in an altered state. And when they're not in an altered state, they're, you know, hungover and withdrawing and, you know, not good to speak to anyway. So often the first step in addressing whatever the other issues are has to be starting to recover from from that from the disease and then move on to understand what the mental health issues are and how to treat them, which 
it's like, so that's how you get sustained recovery, right? By dealing with the underlying issues. Right. Do you need to go in back into therapy? Do you need a little tweak of your medication? Do you need whatever it is? If you have a professional to talk to who you trust, mm -hmm. and there are lots and lots of nonprofits out there that will give access to places you can find that if you don't have someone who you know and respect and trust. Right. And the other thing I want to say is that we saw that our child was suffering. Right. And they were removed from the home and placed in a place because they were under 18 where they were introduced to recovery. Right. They went to the wilderness and then they went to a therapeutic boarding school, which was grounded in 12 step recovery, grounded ideas. in 12 step recovery. And they got a lot of um, access to that. And I think they learned, he learned his yeah. ability to manage. And it doesn't mean he never feels pain or things are never hard or he, but he has an understanding of himself, which I would say is unusual somewhat for unique. his age, I would say. And, unusual for any age in some circles, you know, right. When he first came home was really hard for me because my recovery is based on the notion that once a pickle, never a cucumber. Once I've crossed that line, so to speak, I can never use safely again. And, and that keeps me from testing it out. That idea. Yes. As someone I know said, she's like, yes, I just needed to do a little, I took a little break cause I needed to do some research. Right. So I have never had to do research because I'm you, pretty sure I was a pickle and I don't think I can become a cucumber again. And um, and it's not worth it to you to test that out, to do the research. You've made a decision. Well, yeah, but that decision is premised on the idea that I can, that it's not going to be any better. Right. right. So I have to believe that that's not any better f to stop myself from thinking, oh, well, maybe this time it'll be different. Right, which, and which could lead me right back into to drinking, and I've I haven't had a drink or a drug in more than thirty years, and it's no longer that enticing to me. But that took a long time. Hmm. So for me, it was really hard to see Harrison be able to be a different, better him and use because that sort of shook that foundation for me. Mm. Of you can't go back again. And I attribute that to his youth. Like his brain was still developing. And by the time I got sober, my mm. brain was more fully formed. Yeah. And is it possible that he was really using it to manage his underlying stress and anxiety? And, and was it really? And his, his being a teenager. And it had nothing to do with brain development and just having to do with this thing that we don't really fully understand about addicts and the different levels. Yeah. By yeah. Yeah. How that disease manifests itself. I know people who've found recovery from drug and alcohol misuse mm -hmm. at many different ages. Yeah. And I also know people who didn't realize until the pandemic, the level of their misuse mm -hmm. or the pandemic triggered a new level a of, new le <laughs> right. we all know that alcohol consumption, sales of alcohol went through the roof Yeah, in the pandemic when everyone was alone. And I know someone who, after a, a year into the pandemic was like, oh, a mother. Right. Who was like. Who wasn't alone, presumably. Was not alone, who got sober and stayed sober. Yeah. One of the things that 
I've realized through recovering is it was self-soothing. It was, I was uncomfortable in any number of ways for lots of different reasons. And so, but whenever I felt uncomfortable, my go-to was have a drink. Right. And I would say for me in high school, my go-to was hang out with people and what they happened to be doing was smoking and drinking and doing drugs. Right. So I smoked and I drank and I did drugs. Right, right. I tended to be on the cleanup side of that. (laughs) (laughs) I tended to, as I still do today, I watch people and I nurse a drink. I'm like, oh, I'm with that friend who drinks a lot. Right. They're going to be on their third martini and I'm still finishing up my glass of wine. And with them, I usually have another glass of wine or two, maybe even. Mm-hmm. I don't drive afterwards because I'm a grown up and I understand these things. But even as a high schooler, I was like, give me your car keys. <laughs> We're all right. different. So we are all different. That's true. I put down cigarettes without any trouble. That's crazy. Considering, uh, and I, but what else have you put down in your life? Well, I also put down marijuana without any trouble because it made me paranoid. Right. You had so, an awareness. Yeah. It wasn't so I, helpful. I didn't like it. Yeah. It wasn't actually helping soothe me which is what i was using it for right so so yeah to your point about different coping strategies i think there are lots of coping strategies that we can use as parents of children who we are concerned about their mental health and their drug addiction Mm -hmm. those sometimes work for kids too yeah but if we don't model them like i know i tried to get harris i We did get, you may not know this. (laughs) No, you know all the things that I did. We had um, someone teach him mindfulness. Right. No, was I practicing mindfulness then? No, I don't think so. (laughs) No, I was not. Was I praying and meditating and doing all that? Probably not. No, I probably wasn't. And and by praying, I mean, you know, giving gratitude. That's one of my big prayer. I say prayer because, you know, I do it like a prayer to the universe, to whatever powers that be. I'll often say, you know, I don't know anyone who doesn't pray to the parking God every once in a while. (laughs) I mean, maybe if you live in small towns, but no one who lives in big cities. So I don't know what spiritual belief someone has, but lots of studies these days and lots of people are doing meditation with their children, Mm. doing mindfulness practices together. Again, the earlier you do it, the more effective. But if here's the other thing about teenagers. People are like, oh, they won't ever do that. Sign up for studies. I was reading a New York Times article the other day on substance abuse and addiction and mental health. And they were doing some study and somebody wanted to collect, get adolescents to, and they, and everyone was like, oh, adolescents will never say no, yes to anything. (laughs) And they put like bus shelter signs and got so many, they had to expand the study. These pe- children are aware that they have mental health issues. They want help. They don't necessarily want it from their parents. Right. Because right. they are trying to be independent of us. So finding that balance where you're not pushing things on them. Hey, I mean, parents a lot are like, I mentioned last week that maybe you'd like therapy. Would you like therapy? Would you like therapy? Would you like therapy? <laughs> I'm just telling you, I think you need therapy. Right. How do you you feel? When you do that, right. Right. It's what I think. And what they want to know is to share what they are thinking. Right. They want to talk to a complete stranger, maybe. And a bus shelter is just the place for it. 
So I'm grateful to all those bus shelter ads that offer things. And Al-Anon is, I think each of our kids once went to Al-Anon. At least once. Well, Alateen. Right. Alateen, which is for teenagers, although teenagers are welcome at Al-Anon meetings. I'll also say that 12 steps of recovery have been proven yes. to be effective. Yes. For you, at least. And for, oh, how many? Millions, I think. Many, many, many millions at this point since 1930s, you said. Yeah. So 12 steps are really, there's some good stuff in there. I will say that. Yeah. I mean, some really, really good stuff. So mindfulness is one of them. Coping strategies can be mindfulness, meditation. I'm, as anyone who ever listens to this podcast will know, a big gratitude person. Mm -hmm. And I read something the other day, and I have no idea who attributes this to, but basically they said, don't just pray when things are bad if you don't pray when things are good. Right. So Actually, that's one of the things called foxhole prayers that was a light bulb for me. Tell me more. <laughs> Am I putting you on the spot? In, well, so in some AA literature, I think, mm. um, I mean, I know it was, it was in AA literature. It was a world war. Yeah, they had just gone through a, a world war and were headed into another one, although I don't think they necessarily no, knew that but um but they talked about ha not not depending on the foxhole prayer ah god right. was not a pinch hitter and somehow those terms made me realize that i was using only it. asking for things when i was you know panicked and yeah it took me a long time to even ask i just walk around saying well, oh, and, look, the sky is blue. Look at that flower making its way through well, the concrete. Yeah, and that's a, that's a gratitude thing. So right. I, I started with prayer. I don't pray anymore, but in early recovery, that was like one of the ways that I got my head around stuff I needed to get my head around. Was asking? Was praying. Hmm. Bringing prayer into my life. Can that be like meditation or mindfulness? I mean, well, prayer so is sort of mindfulness, isn't prayer it? Is, what being... they, one of the things they say is prayer is asking and meditating is listening, right? Mm. So you okay. need you need, you need both. both, which is why I talk about prayer and meditation all the time, right? And I think for me in the beginning, it was important to pray because I needed to figure out what I wanted. Mm. So right, right, there's... you need to know what you want, yeah, there for was... yourself, right? And here's the thing about parenting: knowing what you want for yourself, right? Because if what you want is for someone else, then you have made them responsible for your well-being. Right. And as parents, we do that a lot. <laughs> well, we do. We don't mean to. But the transitional years of the teen years, I think a lot of us slip into it. Yeah. My hope for everyone is that my acronym for COPE is consider other possibilities exist mm -hmm. they, and you reference this all the time these are transitional years they yeah. will get through them they are teenagers now they will not be teenagers forever other possibilities exist yeah <laughs> just pause and consider them well and and that's one of the things that i learned in business school right that if, uh, the human brain for whatever reasons likes three possibilities Either right. or, it's are harder to decide between, but coming up with at least three possibilities makes making a decision easier. Oh, that's interesting because a uh, high school principal mm -hmm. 
who I know once said to me, give them two choices. Mm. They will get overwhelmed at this stage of development. If it's more than two. If it's more than two. I'm pretty sure. I'll have to call her and double check it was two. But I'm pretty sure she was, I was. I wonder about the age of that. Like I would think that high school was where you're beginning to want to have three. Because what you're wanting to model for your kids, show your kids at, at in the teen years, not. Yeah. The, okay. Is, is more options. Is that there are other options and maybe there's another way to look at okay, whatever Okay, so maybe that, Cynthia said three. Issue well, is. just for the purposes of this podcast, let's make it three. But it, I think it's worthwhile as a parent of a teen to say, these are your three choices. Yeah. So no more than three. And in all of this, mental health is important. We all have our mental health to take care of. We are responsible for our mental health in order to be aware of our children's mental health. Yeah. I just want to throw in modeling mental health, right? Right. Modeling, you you also want to model taking care of yourself. Right. Which and, and invite them in sometimes. I do think that inviting them into meditation things, inviting them in to without forcing them just saying and showing them well yeah i'm doing this i'm going to this meditation thing at the in there right you or go even first. i'm taking a time out like oh, i yeah. i need a break it's yes. been a hard day give me 10 minutes and then yep. going and sitting someplace quietly or mm. taking that bath or having that cup of tea or whatever it is that mm. helps you settle it's the toddler to teen things. You used to give them timeouts if you did that. And I'm not going to get into any of the politics of that <laughs> right here, right now. Um, I think I used to say, I need a timeout. Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of this. I want to withdraw. I need a few minutes. Yeah. And that's actually and modeled that. one of the things that Harrison yes. did really well. He, yes. He Even, would, you could see him getting angry and he would leave. He wasn't so good at saying, <laughs> I need a timeout. He would leave, but then he would come back. Yeah. And we would sit there at the table and there was a point where I stopped chasing him even before he left at yeah. the house. Yep. Yeah. Where I because stopped we realized chasing him upstairs. That, he... that was not helpful. Yeah. No, but when we realized that he would come back if you didn't chase him. Yeah. That's when you stopped chasing him. Practiced a lot of patience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hard so, to wait. A reminder, change takes time. And the practice of the week, and this is in honor of recovering, identify one thing about yourself that you would like to change. One thing about yourself that you are aware of that you would like to change. And And, I was going to say, and this can be a little thing. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Yeah, we're not asking you to go to AA today or anything (laughs) like that. No, I work on my puzzle too much. I want to not work on my puzzle or I don't work on my puzzle enough. I want to work on my puzzle. <laughs> right. Not having that sugar enhanced beverage. Yeah. Um, not checking social media except for certain time periods for yourself. So any little thing, not having that donut every Saturday. Right. And then every day this week, wake up in the morning, remind yourself you have a practice this week. And every day, try doing something different. different. So instead of that sugary drink, uh, 
a caffeinated drink or, you know, like <laughs> that might not be your best choice. <laughs> well, for me, I'm down for that. Yeah. But, but, but I mean, there may be other tea. ways to satisfy what that is giving you. Right. So check that out. Or it may be just not doing it, but. Right. Take it wherever you want to take it. Yeah. You know the things that you do, which might not be in your own best interest. Right. Keep working on your plan. Remember, plans change. And change takes takes time time and patience and and practice. practice. So keep practicing. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plan P. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and gained some valuable takeaways that you can practice this week. And remember, change takes time and practice. To stay connected with us and ensure you never miss an episode, make sure to hit that subscribe button and share our podcast with friends, family, or any other parents who could benefit from our discussions. You can also keep up with all things Plan P on Instagram and TikTok at Plan P is for. If you have any burning questions or specific topics which you'd like us to address on the show, please just email us at connect at planp.us. If you want to talk to one of us, go to our website at planp.us to learn about us and schedule your free coaching session online. All details and links will be in the show notes. We can't wait to reconnect with you on the next episode. See you next week.